Welcome birders, this is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. My guest today is Debbie Beer. Debbie is a birder from the Pennsylvania area, Philadelphia area really, uh, that I found by looking up our profile on eBird. I've been trying to find guests from different parts of the country and she sounded pretty interesting. And interesting she was. Sometimes I have guests that I just, even after talking with them on the recording, just wish I could get to know them a little better and go birding with them. Debbie is one of those people. She is just a bundle of energy, is, seems fun and enthusiastic, and like someone that would just be great to get out birding with. So the invite is open if she and her sister visit Washington. Welcome to Puget Sound, Tacoma. I'll show you guys around town and find some birds in the state. So that would be fun. Anyway, we share a lot of experiences. I've only been to Africa twice, or I've gotten to go to Africa twice. Wow, that would be a better uh, way to say that. And the two places I've visited are two of the places that Debbie has also visited. So that was pretty cool. We talk a little bit about birding in Kenya as well as Morocco, but mostly about her birding experiences in the Delaware Valley area. She did a relative big year in her area last year, especially county birding. We talk about county birding, and we talk about uh, that right after I recorded this episode, I dashed out with Bruce Labar, a good birding friend, and we found my first Pierce County Washington white-breasted nuthatch. She got a laugh out of that, that I was going to do that after the episode, because, of course, on the East Coast, they're just a common backyard or feeder bird, nothing to get the white-breasted nuthatch. But in Pierce County, Washington, they are not an easy bird. I've been birding here for 30 years, and this was my first. So pretty happy to get my county-first white-breasted nuthatch today. Anyway, I really think that you're going to enjoy hearing from Debbie on this episode of the Bird Banter Podcast. So help me welcome Debbie Beer. Debbie, thanks for being on the podcast with me today. I'm excited to talk to you. Well, thanks so much, Ed. I'm happy to be here and talk with you. Yeah, I found you like I find guests sometimes. I've got this uh, uh, thought that, boy, it would be fun to talk to somebody from lots of different parts of the country, maybe even every state eventually. And so I have been perusing states that I haven't had a guest yet from, and I think uh, Pennsylvania is one of those. And I found you on the eBird uh, list, and I found your profile, and somehow from there I looked you up and you said yes, so here we are. That's great. I'm glad you found me, Ed. Yes, and indeed, that's... uh... It's good that you found me on the Pennsylvania eBird list because, in fact, I'm an avid eBird user and very keen to uh, to keep my Pennsylvania list high on eBird. It's fun and it uh, appeals to my competitive side. Very nice. Well, talking about competitive side, you came out of corporate uh, America and now are more in the conservation world. Tell me about that story. How did that uh, transition happen? And you know, sort of tell me your birding career etc. story. Tell me about uh, Debbie Beer. Sure, Ed. Uh, that's, uh, that's a big question. I'll try to keep the answer uh, small and concise, and the more time that goes by, the easier that is. So I had a corporate career as a marketing um, in, in the marketing field and worked my way up to be a marketing executive. I worked for um, a party supplies manufacturer, like balloons and plates and pinatas, you know, fun stuff like that, uh, for a very long time uh, in Philadelphia. And it was uh, one random Friday in August, if I recall, that the HR department called me up and I walked in and they said, we are restructuring and you are out of a job. If you can imagine, that was not a happy day. 
However, <laughs> the, uh, the, the big silver lining is um, it uh, gave me an opportunity to reevaluate the next steps in my life. I was certainly kind of well into my career then, um, but also thinking that maybe I want to do something closer to my heart. Um, I've always been an outdoor nature person. I grew up like uh, many, many birders or nature people, grew up outdoors. My parents took my sister and I canoeing. I grew up on the Jersey Shore. We explored the Pine Barrens. We were kids who always were dirty and muddy. So the corporate job um, ended. And fortunately, um, I, I was able to be comfortable for a little while and not have to immediately search for another job. So it gave me time to think about what I wanted to do. And I realized that I really wanted to work for an organization, and it would likely be a nonprofit um, that was involved in some way in the environment, conservation, birds. So I was off for about a year, and then the job that I have now at Natural Lands, which is a nonprofit um, organization in southeastern Pennsylvania, and they're dedicated to saving open space and uh, connecting people to nature and the outdoors, right up my alleyway. A job opening came up for um, to be involved in their engagement department, so events and outreach and volunteers. And I was like, that's me. I love that. So... Um, so I applied and friends, in fact, multiple friends said, oh, gosh, Deb, this is right up your alley. And uh, it all worked out really well. So I'm very happy to to go from the corporate world to the nonprofit environmental conservation world. I did have to, to tighten the belt, of course, um, you know, sure. financially. <laughs> the corporate job was, was different, but I will never go back. I would never trade it, Ed. So follow your heart, folks, if you're able to do it. <laughs> Good for you. Were you a birder all along during that time or when did you get into birding? Yeah, great question. So just in my life, uh, I mentioned I grew up on the Jersey Shore and I went to college at Gettysburg in PA. And then I lived in New York City for over five years. And I love New York. It's just a super urban place, just as folks would know if you never uh, been there or live there or see it on TV. It's a big hustle bustle. I loved it and still had this nature vein inside of me, but didn't didn't do a lot of nature when I lived in New York. And then I moved to Philadelphia for the corporate job. And um, gosh, that was a long time ago. And then I lived in Philadelphia, which is a very different city than New York City, very different. And I kind of renewed my joys to get outdoors. And I would do a lot of hiking. Um, I went and climbed like Hawk Mountain for the trails, not even for the birds, uh, way back in 1995. <laughs> I didn't actually think about the birds. I knew about birds and, you know, I could identify some common backyard birds. But while you're hiking, you do see a lot of birds. And I signed up for the Audubon magazine and they connected me to my local little Audubon chapter that sent me this paper newsletter and said, you know, here's a bunch of bird walks. And I said to myself, wow, like, what's a bird walk? Um, but I'm social, and I wanted to learn more about birds, and I thought, all right, I'm going to go on this bird walk. And it was a very pivotal time. I still remember that. It was a long time ago now, over 20 years ago. I went to the right place at the right time, if any listeners know of Bombay Hook National Wildlife Refuge in Delaware, uh, along the Delaware Bay Shore. It's an amazing place. I went in September. It was just teeming with all different birds. And a bald eagle like swooped down and flew over our heads, which the, the birders I was with, they, everyone appreciates that for sure. 
for me, it was like a super aha moment as common as bald eagles have become. I was like, oh my God, there's a bald eagle. There's a bald eagle. (laughs) I was hooked, Ed. (laughs) I was hooked. I was like, when can I do more? I want to do that again. (laughs) So that really started my, um, my birding. It was that one field trip. It was amazing. I got my start in birding uh, really in the Everglades for a day or two, but really I was living at West Point and I was in the army and my girl, my girlfriend, soon to be wife uh, was working in Manhattan. Uh, And uh, so, uh, so actually I got the timing of that wrong. I think uh, we might've been married by then, but anyway, whatever, she still had an apartment in New York. And so we uh, birded Central Park and Jamaica Bay and, uh, oh, Jones Beach. It's just some fabulous places. So you missed out not birding in New York City. It's a great birding place. You're right. I did. I had no idea. I, I viewed it through the lens of like, you know, a city woman. <laughs> um, and I went to museums. And of course, I did love to go into parks, but not with an eye for birds. But you're right, Ed. And those are wonderful places. I, and I've since been into New York, of course. And yeah, Jamaica Bay is wonderful. And absolutely. I got my life great cheeked thrush in uh, the bramble. I got, I got some really the bramble, cool yes. <laughs> and I went there for like picnics on a rock with my friends, not paying any attention to the birds. <laughs> They've had some wonderful birds. Years ago, I recall, I believe there was a boreal owl in Central Park. Wow, wow. that was. I went for that bird. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you did. So you have uh, you have birded a lot in in the Delaware Valley. I you know, funny. I I found you on eBird under Pennsylvania birding, uh, under the you know top one hundred or something in Pennsylvania birding. And then I saw you were in the Delaware Valley Ornithological Club, uh, and so I went back and I looked for you in Delaware. And I says, "Gosh, she hardly has a list in Delaware. And she's in Delaware Valley. What's it? it goes to show what I know about geography? I guess what is the Delaware Valley? It's mostly in Pennsylvania." <laughs> No, that's a great question. I, I was confused for years. Don't, don't worry, Ed. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Wait, there's Delaware, the state, there's the Delaware Valley. <laughs> so the Delaware Valley is, you know, a region in this area, and it generally encompasses um, southeastern Pennsylvania, most of New Jersey, and uh, I'll say all of the state of Delaware, which the state of Delaware is pretty small. And I live um, just outside on the south side of Philadelphia. And um, I can drive to the bottom of Delaware in about two and a half hours, two hours, 45 minutes. So, um, so the region itself, I guess is, you know, pretty broad, but also pretty compact, Um, but, you know, encompasses uh, three, touches three states. I saw you did a quasi big year or pretty big year, actually, last year in the the Delaware Valley region. Sounds like your club has a friendly competition each year to name uh, sounds like a, a historically important person to your club has a, an award each year named for the top lister in your valley. So what is the region? And tell me about your big year. Sure. Um, oh, I love talking about that, Ed. Thank you for asking. Um, so it's uh, it's the Delaware Valley Ornithological Club, DVOC. Uh, folks look that up. It's one of the oldest birding clubs in the country. Um, and they established this initiative. It's named for uh, a fella named Bob Billings. So the club calls it the Billings Contest. And basically that club member passed away and asked to leave just a very small amount of money to the club um, 
to support uh, the person who sees the most birds in a year. And uh, Mr. Billings left it up to the club to just decide what the rules were for that contest, so to speak. So, which is which is good um, because I think at some point maybe we even revise the rules. <laughs> um, but anyway, the the current uh, rules of this uh, Billings program, Billings contest, is the person the winner is the person who sees the most bird species in the Delaware Valley region, and that's defined by the club. And uh, the club is super organized. The officers and the committee responsible they created this great map. So they give us all the tools. And okay. in a nutshell, it's all of the state of Delaware, most of New Jersey, ex- excluding the few counties of New Jersey that are right outside of Manhattan. And it is uh, 12 counties in southeastern Pennsylvania. So kind of all the counties that border Philadelphia and then like up the Delaware River up to like Pike and Monroe County. So so it's a pretty big geographical area. Um, and of course, it includes the Jersey Shore. So thinking about, and Delaware, of course, thinking about pelagic species as well. Um, Yeah, so so that's the Billings contest. And in fact, last year, which, um, you know, last year was, it's been such an extraordinary year with um, Mm -hmm. circumstances of the pandemic and, you know, so many of us cooped up in our houses. And uh, certainly for me as well, I've I've really, uh, you know, stayed inside um, very very, very careful. The early, most especially, certainly this whole pandemic hits and, you know, there's real fear. Uh, no one wants to get sick. So, so, you know, I was really uh, stayed, stayed on track with like staying close to home um, and birding locally. So what I decided to do last year was just focus on the county that I live in. So I live in, <laughs> go figure, and you'll like this Delaware County. Um, okay. <laughs> Delaware County is one of the five counties in the Philly metro region. So if it wasn't confusing enough, but locals, locals take this in stride. So I live outside of Philly, Delaware County, and I wanted to chase as many birds as I could in the county. And I'm still still working full time for natural lands, love my job. But of course, uh, I'm now working from home. So I have more flexibility in my schedule. And I could, you know, go out early and be back at my desk or, you know, zip out early maybe and make up the time later. So I chased a lot of birds in my county. I broke all my own records in my own county because I had never tried to do that before. So it was it was just interesting that because I am such a lister and I've been focusing on my state list and also my Philadelphia county list. I lived in the city for years and uh, have a much bigger list there. Um, Right. But Delaware County is wonderful. And um, and it was great fun. There was a group of us that we just like we kind of all knew we we're like, let's go for it really hard this year. So I wasn't even thinking about the Billings Award or the Billings Contest. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the year or early in 2021 this year, uh, just last month, you know, they were the, the club and the club members were like, OK, everyone, you know, send us your lists and for the Billings. And I looked at my list and I was like, wow, I have a pretty decent number. And uh, so I submit it to the committee and they say, wow, like you're you're in the running for the top and, you know, you're the number to beat so far. And it turns out that there were two of us uh, at the end of the year who ended up with exactly the same number, um, which is 272 species. Wow. For, for all of that geographic region that I mentioned, southeastern PA and Delaware and New Jersey. So how many, what was your county number? Uh, my county number was 232. 
So a huge chunk of the birds were in my own county. Yeah. <laughs> the majority were right local. Yeah. So just a little context for that too, Ed, is, uh, and I know you're on the West Coast, so every, of course, every state and every county has a different kind of median list, you know? Sure. Um, the highest number of the Billings contest is actually 372. So, yeah, I, so I, so we came in at 272. So that's a big difference. Um, but I just put that out there, like such an extraordinary year, you know, like many, many birders were, were not, most of us, I don't know anyone who was thinking about the Billings contest because to do the Billings contest and you want to do all three states, you, you are like running around really hard, you know, um, not missing anything. Um, and that wasn't a really what the vibe was last year. You know, it was much more local. Sure. Yeah. It's fun. Last year was a really fun year in our County. I live in Pierce County, Washington, uh, and we have a great County for birding. We have the Puget sound as part of the South sound. We have Mount Rainier. So we have mountain birding. We have the Fort Lewis prairies. So we have the few, some of the few remnant prairies here still in the South sound area. So we've got a really good County for birding, not one of not one of the top counties in the state for listing some of those are pretty extraordinary but still a good county for birding and we uh and way more people were uh in the running for our county list this year than ever before it was just uh really something uh, that's we, fantastic uh, how many uh, how many species um like did the top folks uh submit that year it, it this year was not a record-breaking year but i but Interestingly, the person who had the highest list this year had never done this in the county before. Heather Balish uh, won the county. She was a uh, list. Bruce Labar, a good friend of mine, every year, almost every year, Bruce has the highest number of the county. He's, he has the highest number in the state for a life list. He, and he's just a very good birder and very avid lister and chaser. Uh, so Bruce was doing it. But Bruce, uh, you know, is a little harder to get around this year. And uh, Heather... Uh, is married to Marcus Ronig, and Marcus is a very good birder too. And Marcus uh, is a pharmaceutical rep, and pharmaceutical reps couldn't do their job last year, really. Uh, I mean, he he has Alaska and a whole bunch of places he goes to uh, regularly as part of his travels and and uh, promoting his. Uh, I think it's an oncological company's medications. So he was doing that on the phone and taking a meeting here and there. And so he was all over county birding. Uh, so Marcus and Heather were at it last year. They were just neck and neck. Uh, and one day on uh, uh, the Dunes Peninsula, which is just you know three miles from where I live, is right on the Sound. Uh, Heather was out, and Marcus had to take a meeting. So Marcus went back to his car to take his meeting, and long-tailed ducks flew by right while Heather was there. <laughs> I was there with her and one of the really good local birders, uh, Will Brooks, was there. And long-tailed duck is a tough bird in our county. There's one place we get it almost every winter, and it just wasn't there last winter. Uh, and so she ended up with one more bird than, than her husband did uh, <laughs> for the year. So she it was uh, Red Hot Heather, and we said Stone Cold Bruce. <laughs> we had fun. No, it was old cold Bruce, old cold Bruce. red hot Heather, and old cold Bruce with the with the two uh, names. And we didn't have a nickname for most of us, but that that was the the joke for the year that was red hot Heather all, all year. And she uh she had a great year. And she's a very good birder. Uh, Marcus and Heather were guests on the podcast before, and so uh, anyway, it was a, a really fun year for all of us. Uh, but in turn, you asked how many numbers. Uh, a really good year in Pierce County. Two thirty is a very good year. Uh, I think Will Brooks a super hot. 
recruiter for a young guy. I think he did 247 in the best year ever. But over 200, you got to get around. Uh, over 220, you're really having a good year. And 230 is very good. I think Heather might have had like 230 or 231 or something like that last year. So it's excellent. It's interesting. It's on par, even though you have totally different birds than we do. That's yeah. That's what you said is uh, the same for for us as well. Yeah. So I think that's uh, cool. Yeah. I think you know you have a similar you have ocean. Uh, you know, you have the coast. Uh, the difference is you've got a lot more migrants. Uh, we have migrants, certainly, but uh, we don't have the the uh, neotropic pasturing migrant phenomenon that you guys have there. Sure, sure. But we've got great east. We've got, uh, you know, Mount Rainier. I mean, good Lord. We've got- yeah, and, and the Puget Sound, right? <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, stuff that you guys could only dream about. So everybody has their good stuff. Yeah, you know, I what I what struck me the most about this really unusual year of birding last year was, um, so of course you know birders like we're all being very careful, but you can't keep us inside, right? So we go out, and I and I said, you know, I spent all my time or much of my time just in Delaware County, but um, where I got two thirty two, but to get two seventy two, I did of course get to a few other places, including the Jersey Shore. Um, for, you know, some seabirds and things. I didn't get on a boat, but I stood and looked at the ocean waves. So, (laughs) Um, but there were birders out and about and I got to know our county birders who I knew, we all know each other, but we got to know each other well. You know, we spent more minutes and hours standing together and birding and, um, you know, we have some reservoirs and things. And of course, you know, you run into your friends out there and um, I so appreciated that. It was just really different in a very good way. Um, even while many of our lists were maybe lower than usual because we weren't ranging as far, you know, so. Um, exactly. And I, I want to um, recognize that the person that um, also um, got the same total that I did um, is actually a young birder. She's 16 years old and uh, she's also a member of the BVOC club and um, it's her first time um, winning and, and, you know, submitting her list to the billings because you can just kind of decide at the end of the year, oh, I'm going to just submit my list or not. And she's a wonderful young woman and uh, I've known her for years and she's just so excited to, to get the billings uh, award. And I'm really excited to share it with her. It'll probably be the last year you can compete with her. She will probably blow you away. Absolutely. Yeah. She's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> She's a skilled, but she's been birding since, you know, she was very young and uh, her skills are amazing. And she's a lovely person and she's also talented with a camera. So many folks bird with cameras now. So she's captured some awesome photos. And so, of course, we were kind of, you know, on our social medias, like high-fiving each other. Like, we both got the same number. And um, Yeah. women, Women ruled in your county last year. That's terrific. Yeah, I, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because, of course, we both know, Ed, that birding like has just been like, you know, a white male sport for so long and or hobby. And um, and I really um, am glad to be living in Philadelphia and birding in the Philadelphia region. I feel like we're uh, a really diverse community and, and getting ever more diverse. And that's important to me um, for many reasons. And it's just great to see. Uh, like we have young people involved, we have people of color, a lot more women. Uh, we've got lots of social channels and bravo to the DVOC. The leaders are really uh, progressive about that. So we use like WhatsApp and Telegram. And 
course, we have a Facebook page like everybody else does as well. But even that has activity has slowed there because we set up a Telegram channel. And, uh, you know, it's instant. We're in the field and we're like, oh, hey, uh, there's, in fact, at my local refuge this morning, there's a redhead, redhead duck. So not so common in our region. Uh, Certainly they occur. Um, But, you know, went out on the, we call it the chatter. It went out on the chatter. (laughs) So then people start asking, where is it? Where can you see it from? (laughs) How are the trails? We have a lot of snow here at the moment. So it's not actively snowing, but there's about six inches on the ground so yeah, nice what's well, yeah actually, it's snow here this weekend so it's a little unusual for us we don't get a lot of snow i am uh, gonna as soon as we finish uh bruce and i are gonna head out and try to get my first county white-breasted nuthatch some fellow had one at his feeder uh not too far from here so I'm excited about that. Oh, it's fun to hear your excitement on that. And I've like, they're a common backyard bird for me. <laughs> I, I'll just like shoe one over your way. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. We, we don't have a habitat for them here. They, the, the, the West Coast white-breasted nuthatches are just different birds than your guys' white-breasted. Yeah, um, interesting. They, That's they're good. probably soon to be a different species. There's debate about that. But they like oaks, uh, oak uh, areas especially and uh, to some degree uh, evergreens but really if you have a nice big area of oak trees that's where you go find them yeah wonderful so yeah it is cool so i want to make sure i get a chance to hear about your uh, dvoc it's been around for a while have you been an active uh, leader in that club um, I have been on and off i've been uh, a member of the dvoc since uh, 2005 Full disclosure, I, I had to look that up right before chatting with you. <laughs> I knew it was a long time, but um, I started birding like in 1997, I think, give or take. And mm-hmm. so it took a little while to become a member of the club, but I knew I was even, you know, attending some meetings. They're all open and free to everybody. So, um, but I became a member in 05 and then I'm a life member, which is just a, a good money saver. Um, yeah. So they, they're stuck with me forever. And um, <laughs> it's a it's a great club and it really is. Um, it really is a very active hub for local birders in the Philadelphia region and, um, you know, have met so many wonderful people through the club. Um, they, they have worked hard in the last uh, 10 years to really try to get more young people engaged and more diverse people. And I think that they have succeeded uh, very uh, admirably in, in that. And of course, we can always you know welcome more folks and we always will. But some other, you know, regional clubs still are... Um, you for you know more older folks and and you know but uh we're we're really happy to have that young energy and uh i put myself still in that group although the gray hairs you can't see them but there's lots of them (laughs) um but you know it's just great to to have so many uh folks involved and and lots of new birders and that's okay like that's how you learn right so that's better than okay that's yeah it's right it's not just clubs for people who already know their birds it's like hey come and learn about birds so we have a great, great field trip list, but of course that all halted last year, but we'll get back to that. I want to hear about how did you, uh, you know, all, a lot of us uh, have asked, aspire to becoming more diverse and more yeah. inclusive. I'm on the board for WASP, Washington Ornithological Society, and we, uh, we have a stated objective of becoming more diverse and more inclusive. And a stated objective is one thing, but making it happen is another. What were some of the things that your club did to accomplish making 
lots of people from lots of walks of life uh, feel more invited and welcome and inclusive. How did you do that? Or, or do you not even have a feel for that? Yeah, I mean, of course, I um, I can conjecture, <laughs> Ed. Um, you know, it's hard to to prove causality, but um, and and I just want to say I so appreciate that. You know, just having the conversation itself is like a big start right now that you and I are talking about these things and aspiring to them. Um, I I would say that it's um, kind of multiple factors coming together. The city of Philadelphia itself is is a diverse population of folks. So if you're in an area that is less diverse and you're trying to kind of like, I don't know, find all the different perspectives in your community, it may just be kind of demographically difficult just because there's less people. But Philly is a very diverse population of folks. There are some great urban birding spots that a lot of people go to, even when they don't necessarily know a lot about birds because they're wonderful spots just to go visit. So John Hines National Wildlife Refuge right in Philadelphia, right near the airport. If anybody's been to the Philadelphia airport, it's that huge marshland that you can see from the highway when you're driving to the airport. It's a wonderful place to go and check out nature. So it's um, so I believe a lot of people, they we meet each other at at Hines. You know, you just look for the people with binoculars. And um, so and it attracts such a diverse visitorship at Hines. So the birders find each other there and then we all say, oh, you know, the DVOC is a great club and, you know, lots of young people come and visit. And um, the DVOC, we created business cards. So um, and all the members like anyone can ask, can I have some cards? I want to pass them out. So that's one little trick um, that, you know, it's just kind of not being shy to to share about your club with other people. And um, another, I think, really great thing that DVOC has done. Uh, and this is not easy yet, this is not easy at all, is we have embraced the technology, uh, like forward-thinking technology. I mentioned Telegram, or it's uh, there's another called WhatsApp. You might be familiar with these social media apps. You know, they're free. They're just ways that groups of people can communicate, um, kind of maybe like the old text groups or old emails, you know, keep rolling back the clock. How did birders communicate? You know, it used to be text groups and then it used to be emails. And before that, I think it was a hotline where you call a phone number and you hear a pre-recorded message of good birds or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, our lives have speeded up and shifted so much since then. And it's a willingness to embrace the new way of doing things. Yeah, I need to to learn about Telegram. That is new to me. Telegram, yeah. If you know WhatsApp, because I think even Telegram kind of surpassed a little bit of WhatsApp, but the two of them are similar. They have limits on like how many people can be plugged in at one time before you have to pay money. And I think that's really the only difference between WhatsApp and Telegram is (laughs) Telegram allows more people. We're like, we got close to our maximum. We're something like 500 people on a chatter. Mm. So I don't know what that number would be like for you, but it's an awesome number for for Philly. And um, one of the things I think we've done really, really well, and this is not easy, is so there's rare bird alerts, right? Every probably most birders and bird clubs know about rare bird alerts. Um, And then you have rare bird alerts and some folks get really upset if there's if there's exchanges on a rare bird alert that aren't about the rare bird. Like, oh, where do I park? And, oh, can you describe that bird? I'm not sure what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. And rare bird alerts 
Um, and I don't want to generalize, but some, sometimes you really get the feeling like you're not allowed to talk about anything except here's this rare bird, here's where I saw it, and that's it. And people get right. publicly chided if they try to have a conversation about anything else. So mm-hmm. it's not conducive to learning, right? And it's also not very welcoming if you're not an ace birder. So DVOC, we set up two, two uh, I'll call it social groups. One is the rare bird alert and the other one is the chatter that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And the chatter by far is far more popular. And I will say even all the people who like complained that they didn't want to read any messages except for about the rare bird, they're all on the chatter. They can't miss it. (laughs) So I would just say that single-handedly, I think, was a huge factor in welcoming new birders to the DVOC. I, I would really say that's the biggest thing we did is it's okay to have a vehicle to talk about something other than just rare birds. Totally. Very or maybe crazy. the Philly people are just super creative because, I mean, you, you should be talking about birds and we've even talked about that it should be birds. There's actually a chatter for Philly and a chatter for the region. And <laughs> if you're on the Philly chatter, it's much encouraged to just keep it to Philly. But that said, there's memes of wood storks riding on trains <laughs> just to give you a little snapshot yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah, perfectly every, acceptable and we can all joke about it so it's sounds fun. like, it sounds like a, fu- a fun channel your chatter channel exactly but oh we learn a ton people we get into plumages we also get into like oh my gosh i you know got my boots stuck in the mud um and that's that's valuable information too right it gives it is. you chances it is Bring yeah. your high boots, not your shallow boots. Good. Absolutely. So I'm going to switch topics just a little bit. Sure. I want to hear also about natural lands. Is it a land trust or is it more than that? It is. It is a land trust. You you nailed it on the head. Ed. Um, so we, we're about saving land uh, from development. And we're a long-running nonprofit organization established in 1953. So we've been doing it for like nearly 70 years, uh, long before me. Um, and we've managed now to, we now own and manage uh, 23,000 acres in southeastern Pennsylvania and a little bit in South Jersey. But we have also helped save uh, well over 100,000 acres. And often those are land transactions where uh, natural lands will preserve the land and then give the land over to another entity like um, Bureau of Forestry, state parks in Pennsylvania, things like that. So mm-hmm. it, the land will not be developed, but we helped facilitate right. the transaction. Yeah. Sounds sort of like the Nature Conservancy on a more regional scale. Exactly. You got it. No, that's a great analogy. Indeed. That's a great analogy. And Nature Conservancy is, is huge and worldwide and we're regional. Very nice. Totally cool. That. Yeah, land trusts. I have the greatest respect for land trusts. They are they play such a critical role. I mean, there are giant organizations like Nature Conservancy, but we have pretty small land trusts right locally where we are. And I think the Nisqually Land Trust, just for the Nisqually River drainage area, and there are others that just are so important to to you know eking out every little you know square inch of uh, natural land. Indeed, super important. I love, I feel so uh, honored to work for Natural Lands. It's a wonderful organization. And um, and my job is um, the director of volunteers. Um, so I feel like I have the best job. <laughs> I'm biased and I can chuckle because everybody on staff, we all love our jobs. It's a, We all do it because we're passionate about the work. 
you get to work with people who are interested and you don't have to ask them for money. That's the best. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Volunteers, you know, they raise their hands. They come to me willingly. They're smiling. They want to do this. Exactly. <laughs> there are some groups of volunteers that are maybe, um, you know, guided by community service or things like that. And that's okay too. But yeah, it's, I, I love my job and I meet great people. I, hundreds and hundreds of people a year. So. Totally cool. Debbie, it sounds like you've done some international birding too. I, I looked at your natural lands page. You have a, somehow I got to that. I don't know. And it says, ask Debbie about birding safaris in Africa. <laughs> I'm going to ask Debbie about birding safaris in Africa. <laughs> I'm glad you did, Ed. Wow. Like twist my arm to talk about Africa. I love Africa. So I've been very fortunate. That was that corporate career that like, you know, like uh, on the treadmill where you work long hours, but you get good pay. So that enabled me to save up and take long, take uh, big trips, I call it. So I've been very uh, fortunate in my life to take some big trips across the globe. And, um, and I'm still taking them. Uh, just, uh, I don't want to say like I make no money, but, <laughs> um, but Africa is fantastic. I had opportunity to visit Kenya and Tanzania, uh, East Africa in 2006. So quite a no, sorry, 2009. So uh, a while ago now, but gosh, an amazing trip where it's your quintessential, you know, like uh, big cats on that geo, you know, the savanna and the safari and the Serengeti and an amazing trip uh, for birds. Of course, birds was the focus, um, but I got to see a lot of uh, other wildlife as well. Saw over 525 bird species on that trip, which is like huge. So that's very doable in Kenya. Very doable. I Kenya is one of the two Africa trips I've taken to. I took it with John Sterling and James Bradley just a few years ago. And we, ours was, we didn't get to the Serengeti. So we missed uh, some of the big cats, but boy, birds were spectacular. Mm. 15 days all the way from, you know, the East side to the coast. And I think we had 540 or 50 <gasps> species and it was just crazy. And oh, it was so fun. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Like the amazing place, right? Just so inspiring and so different. I love, I love the wildlife. I also love, uh, you know, I'm very interested in people. Um, my degree is in sociology and I'm just always fascinated about cultures and people and, you know, East Africa is very different from America or, or other, you know, big cities in Europe that I have visited a few yeah. so. I also went to um, Morocco in North Africa, uh, you know, on the north coast. Uh, we beautiful are place. following in each other's footsteps. That's the other place. I've been <laughs> Morocco. Wow. Cool. Have you been then, Ed, to Namibia? Because that's where I came back from right before COVID. I was really glad I went last December and came back uh, right before Christmas. And then, of course, our country, you know, shut down in March. So I was glad to have gotten that trip in. Uh, Namibia, you know, in the southwest above South Africa, uh, amazing, amazing country and so different from the other places. Of course, Africa is a massive continent. So um, and uh, loved Namibia as well. I have not been to South Africa, you know, sub-Saharan really Africa, hardly at all, uh, at all. Uh, it's on my uh, hope for list someday, but uh, not yet. Morocco was great, though. I was there in the spring and, you know, got to 
it was funny. I, I've been to Europe just a little bit. Uh, I haven't really birded Europe, but I've birded while I was in Europe, you know, just, and I had a, a modest list of maybe a hundred, 120 birds in Europe. And I think I saw all but two or three of those in Morocco. <laughs> when right. I the birds, like they go North South, right? So European so, species will end up in Morocco or go through Morocco. Yep. Yeah. It was a fabulous trip. Yeah. Everything good about it. Totally cool. Totally cool. Although I have to say, if I had to go Morocco or Kenya, oh, I'd take Kenya every day. Kenya, oh, for sure. Yeah, it's just uh, extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, really fabulous. All the animals too. Morocco, of course, you go south and it, and it becomes desert, um, which was fascinating. You know, like the landscape was fascinating, beautiful, but certainly not the not the same number of, of bird species, not the diversity of bird species that Kenya has. Right? For sure. But I, I, interestingly, I had one of my coldest days ever of birding in Morocco. Uh, we went up to, oh, I'm, I'm terrible with names of places. Oh, climb it in. It was on a mountain. It was, there's the two ranges of mountains that go uh, right through the center of uh, Africa. It was in the northern one. It was on big something or other. And we got up there and into a fog bank. We couldn't see anything. And it started snowing and blowing the wind. It was a wickedly cold <laughs> wow <laughs> maybe you were uh at okaimadin is the peak one of the peaks in the tizentest mountain range um i know i know folks go to okaimadin for the the larks and uh the um yeah. special finches they they have uh yeah it's a it's amazing it was very cold too when i went there <laughs> if we had a similar itinerary <laughs> I, uh, I, I, that name doesn't click with me. Yeah. I write a blog post for each episode. I'll, I'll, uh, in the blog post, I'll, uh, tell listeners if they want to look at that, where I went, I can't remember. Sure. <laughs> My geography is <laughs> terrible. Thinking, thinking of the Delaware valleys in Delaware. What am I thinking of? Anyway. <laughs> anyway uh, so it sounds like you like to travel as a birder. Yeah. Uh, you're a County birder now. Welcome to the County listing clubs, uh, uh, or, you know, cadre of birders. And uh, so what about birding most excites you? If you had to say, you know, uh, this, I am just really into what? Um, sharing birding with other people. Absolutely. You know, I love the birds, but it's, it's more hollow if there's not someone next to me to be like, to kind of share the big moments or the smiling with me. If we see something exciting or interesting or unusual, Absolutely. And um, it, it just kind of sharing that common interest um, is, is such a good feeling. So I, I really love to share birds with other people. Uh, there were several years. In fact, I mentioned earlier in our uh, conversation here about being in between my corporate job and my natural lands job. Um, I had about a year off and I did a lot of volunteering myself with the Heinz Refuge, my beloved John Heinz National Wildlife Refuge. And um, I was engaging uh, fourth and fifth graders in bird programs. And um, gosh, I just loved it. And so, um, and even though it, for, um, you know, the bird programs themselves, certainly they were geared for uh, young people of that age. They were designed for people who, you know, young people who had no idea what birds are. And here, the community of folks that live right at the doorstep of Heinz Refuge, very urban community, very mm -hmm. diverse community, largely African-American, but a mixture of many uh, different folks from different backgrounds. And 
these kids, they didn't know about nature. Like they were like city kids, even though the Heinz Refuge was right there. It was, you know, half a mile from their house, the local bus stops at the corner. And it was such a pleasure. Some of the greatest experiences of my life were to engage those kids with birds. So very cool. For sure. Yeah. So that's terrific, Debbie. Sounds like you, I, I love birding with, with people too. I, I've, I've taken, you know, I can remember when my kids were in you know, probably second, third, fourth, fifth grade, my wife and I would all, we would always volunteer to do, you know, in those days, I don't know if they still do. I they don't have grandchildren, so I'm not sure what's going on with uh, childhood, edu- early uh, elementary education these days, but they would have like topic or something. They'd have, okay, this, this week we're going to have all of our learning be associated with mining. And next week it's going to be with forestry and, and they'd learn their math and their history and their science and all of those things would be associated with that. So we would always volunteer to help have a, a week on birds as a way to learn. And, uh, and so we go in, we'd pin up little silhouettes of birds around the room and teach kids how to use cardboard paper, you know, toilet paper rolls and binoculars to <laughs> look through and all of those things. And to have a little field trip where we'd walk around the playground and go birding. And it was, that was really fun. So I, I can, I can relate to how much fun you had with kids like that. Yeah, it was, it was really fun to do, uh, to teach the kids about birding. And, um, and I don't have any kids of my own. So I think, um, it, it get, kind of gets my fill of, of kids, you know, it, but I'm happy to give them back at the, you know, after three hours, <laughs> give them back to their teachers. <laughs> um, but yeah, was... That's sometimes the best, best kind of children to have. I've been blessed right. with two, <laughs> somebody else's children. children. <laughs> I, was, I was blessed with two children of my own who are grown now <laughs> and uh, could not interest them in birds too much. Although they're both in their early thirties now and are coming around. They're starting oh, interesting. to starting out when I, I visited my, my son is a digital nomad. He travels all over the place and works wherever he's at. Uh, he works online. So he's all over the world. And I've got to visit him, got to visit him in Asia, my first trip to Asia, to Thailand and Cambodia. And he joined me for a full day of birding with a guide in both of those, uh, both of those countries. And I think he had fun. So that was, that was good. And uh, yeah. He was willing to do it. That's great. Asia's on my list, Ed. It's such a big world, you know. There's so many places to go explore, and um, I, I know that I, I, well, I hope to have enough time to do it all. Or realistically, I know that's not possible. So I'm just going to keep on picking the priorities and keep on traveling. <laughs> My sister and I, I could share. We, um, she and I are close, and we're both birders. Interestingly enough, we both came into birding in a different way. Um, even though we we're both nature kids, you know, we, of course, grew up together in the same nature household, but, um, and we're both kind of like at, serious about it at the same level. So I'm so grateful for that. We're never bored at family holidays or gatherings, you know, we just uh-huh. look at birds. So, but we took on a quest to do 50 birds in 50 states. Yes. So I know the bar is not too high to try to get 50 species in a state. Usually that can be done like in a mm-hmm. couple of days. Um, but really, the whole idea is for the two of us to be together and also to get to visit, you know, all parts of the U.S. So uh, I think I have visited about 30 something states. So I didn't look that up. But um, and she and I have done many together, but not all together. Um, Very good. But yeah. So I, want, I want to put you in touch with a resource for that. Uh, Blair <laughs> Burnson is a good friend of mine, and he undertook a, a project where he was going to see 50 birds in each state. Uh, but he was going to say 50 birds in a day in each state. 
So he was going to have a, a, a full day of birding in every state. And he was going to do that with a local birder. He wasn't just going to do it. He was going to contact a local birder and go birding with a birder in each state and see 50 birds on that day. And he actually just finished that recently. And he's been a guest on the podcast. And you can check out his website. I think it's blairbirding.com. Uh, Blair Birding. I'll, I'll send you the link. Uh, send me that. Yeah, I just jotted his name. And he just uh, and he did a blog post about each state with the day of birding. So it'll have, uh, you know, places to go. It'd be a great resource for you uh, looking forward to that quest. I would love that. Yes, thank you. There are some yeah. states um, I'm thinking of. I was in um, Michigan and, and ended it was in the winter for for owls, as you can imagine, was wonderful, but um, <laughs> ended the trip with 49. <laughs> Could not eke out one more. But of course, in the spring, it would not be so hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, birding in the winter in the north is uh, fraught with not a lot of species. Isn't yeah, it? great, great, uh, like quality over quantity. We got, you know, the northern owls was fantastic, but, uh, you know. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So not not the place to bring a beginning bird or sometimes I have to say going, you know, an hour and a half without seeing a single bird. And then, right? Oh my goodness, a flock of rosy finches or whatever, you know, it can be pretty spectacular out here. And it's only ten degrees, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're being careful not to get stuck or you know, caught in a snowstorm. Yeah. I I've I grew up in Maine and have birded eastern Washington quite a bit, so I'm relatively familiar with Northern Oh, you Cold. you grew up in Maine, Ed? I did, yeah. So yeah. I did. Uh, I did just come back. I hope it's okay to say this. I can <laughs> during these COVID times. But my sister and I uh, drove up to Portland, Maine, to oh, wow. um, tick the red wing. There's a red wing in Portland right now. Oh, there is. And I, I have a good friend, uh, who, a friend of my dad's age. My dad's passed, but he was. This friend, Don Mayers, lives in Oakland, Maine, or Belgrade. I think he's in Oakland. Anyway, Oakland or Belgrade, they're right beside each other. And he, I've just met up with him in the last 10 years or so, really, and birded with him. Uh, and he is a fabulous birder. Uh, but he's, you know, getting up there. He's probably close to 90 now. Uh, and so I reached out to him. I says, Don, did you see the Red Wing? Because I follow the ABA uh, Red Bird Alert and everything on eBird. And he said, I did. Yeah, I think it <laughs> might have been a state bird for him. So you get up to see the Red Wing. Good for you. We you did. Yeah, it was it was it was a great adventure. And uh, of course, my sister and I love to travel together. So it was nice. It was wonderful. Very cool. We had a red wing in in Olympia, Washington, years ago that I got to got to see. So that is on my ABA list. But a very cool bird. And uh, so yeah. So have you birded Washington yet? Is that a state you've been to? I need all the West Coast, Ed. So when okay. I decide well, to, when, I'll be calling. Yeah, hit, <laughs> hit me up when you want to come. I can, <laughs> love to show you around for a couple of days. Oh, I I would really enjoy that, Ed. That would I really would i have a couple good friends in california so i've not birded in california believe it or not oh. all these years of birding and haven't got there oh, yeah. oh that's a mecca it's oh boy california well i mean it's bigger than most countries so it's uh right it's <laughs> but the whole west coast and also uh you have a lot of different species you know i've birded um all of the kind of if you think of the you know, all the um, major destinations in the U.S. in terms of, uh, you know, adding new species mm -hmm. to your right. North American list, like Texas and Florida and Michigan for owls and 
even like New Mexico and Sandy Crest Mountains and uh, the chickens in Colorado. Like I've done all those, but I need all the West Coast. So okay. have you done Arizona yet? You did Arizona. Yep, I've done. I've New been Mexico. to Southeast Arizona yeah. a few times. Okay. New Mexico, Arizona, almost. Yep. Missed, missed a few. I still, um, you know, my North American list is at six oh five. Um, cool. So I still need like another hundred or so birds, and that's you know, of course, not thinking even about Alaska. Like I know Alaska is a whole nother level of <laughs> crazy birds, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Alaska has the islands and stuff that have you know totally crazy Asian vagrants. But uh, other than that, most of the birds in Alaska you can get in Washington. I could get on the West Coast probably, right? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I think you could get to 700 in the lower 48 without extraordinary means. I mean, it's, without, it, right. Without kind of super crazy. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's a challenge, but you, you could do it. Certainly. Um, yeah. You know, I, I certainly, um, well, you can tell by our conversation, I'm certainly a lister, but I don't, it, it's not, I'm not like uh, frenetic about it, you know, <laughs> but um, if the circumstances are right, I absolutely chase birds. So <laughs> Rhode <laughs> Island uh, this past summer had, I think three really rare birds all in a row. Uh, yes, I was so Piper. jealous. Yeah. So I drove there. And in fact, uh, I'm, I chased in Pennsylvania and it was closer to go to Rhode Island for the Tarek Sandpiper and mm-hmm. this the redneck stilt drawing a blank on the other one, but there were three. But um, And then closer to do that than to go to the west side of Pennsylvania. <laughs> Pennsylvania yeah. is huge. Yeah, well, the whole East Coast, especially once you get into the Northeast, the states are so tiny. Yes, yep. <laughs> yeah, I think you could fit almost all of New England into Washington. You can fit, right, we forget, like, and then you go to the West Coast and you're much bigger chunks there, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, very cool, Debbie. It has been so much fun to talk to you. I really appreciate it. I want to make sure, as I sort of wrap episodes up, that I give uh, listeners a chance to know how to reach out to you. It sounds like maybe one of the best ways to reach out to you would be through your contact on the Nature Lands website. Is that a fair? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Folks can find me there. And I'm, I'm quite happy to share, if it's appropriate, my email address. Yeah, please. Sure. Um, so it's Deb Beer, D-E-B-B-E-E-R, and then the numbers 1023 at gmail.com. But if you Google me, you you can find me if you Google me, uh, just like Ed found me. <laughs> and and I'd be delighted to chat with folks about birds or, or answer any questions or really anything. And and especially Philly, you know, if you come on in on the Philadelphia airport and you have a few hours to spare, uh, I'd love to, to meet up at Heinz Refuge. It's a wonderful place to bird. And lots of folks do that. I will make sure I do that. And I'm going to give you a, a little, uh, as we close, one little uh, pitch for the podcast and, and something you might like. Uh, when I was in Morocco, I was just beginning the podcast. I think I had a maybe half a dozen episodes up before I left on that trip. Uh, and I didn't really, I was still, it was evolving. I was trying to figure it all out, you know. Uh, so I brought my little handheld recorder with me. And I recorded a whole bunch of like little day reports of my Morocco trip. Uh, so if you go way back towards the beginning of the Bird Banner podcast, maybe I didn't even number the episodes, but like between seven, eight, 10, 12, something like that, uh, you'll find a handful of, you know, five, 10, 12 minute uh, episodes. Says, Today I went here. We saw this. It was the coolest day. So <laughs> it's kind of 
kind of funny stuff. Uh, so if you want to get some uh, Morocco memories, you can uh, uh, check out some of those early little snippet uh, episodes of the Bird Banner podcast and see. What I would love you, to. Thank you, Ed. You, you sure. Find yeah. If you want to just reminisce a little bit, I'm sure I went to a lot of the same places you did. Absolutely. I would, I would love to check that out. Most of my uh, travels were uh, with wild side nature tours. Okay. Um, to give them a plug, but I <laughs> might as well just uh, yeah. I mentioned and um, and full full bias. My partner is um, runs Wildside Nature Tours. My partner is Adrian Bin. So it's a small uh, travel uh, company, um, okay. and his specialty is Africa. And oh. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. so um, I was I was with someone who knows it well. <laughs> he was born and raised there, actually. Uh, okay. Although he's British and uh, Moroccan, and yeah, so. A, a, a mutt kind of has <laughs> been in America now for many years, but um, very cool. Yeah, well, I definitely have a, a Southern Africa somewhere uh, trip in my future if I uh, maintain health and means. Uh, so I will think of that as a resource for that. Trip. Sure, Sounds sure cool. do. Yeah, absolutely. We've enjoyed traveling to many places together. We've been to Brazil, and uh, which was wonderful, and the Pantanal, amazing. Um, and, uh, to India, oh my gosh, India just was mind blowing. And I, I didn't know what to expect. I, you know, I was a little nervous, so I love traveling. I thought that it might be wall to wall people, which as social as I am, that's not really what I'm aiming for. It's a bird, of course. Right. Um, it, it was wonderful. It was so different and just amazing birds and a wonderfully friendly place and oh gosh i just loved it so sounds like you have gotten around nicely and have a partner who likes to travel too yeah how, how much better does it get really very cool very lucky between my partner and my sister uh very very yeah. grateful for to Two just have so many birds all around you are you are living right debbie living right <laughs> Congratulations on that. Well, I will wrap up on that high point. That sounds terrific. Thanks for being my guest today. It'd be, I really appreciate it. And uh, you take care. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ed. It has been so much fun to chat with you. Thank you for listening to, to all my stories. They were good stories. Thanks again. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up the Burbaner podcast with Debbie Beer. I had so much fun talking with Debbie. I hope you enjoy. And I am going to be in Costa Rica when this episode uh, drops. So wish me luck finding some Costa Rican birds. I've uh, stockpiled a few episodes that will go up while I'm traveling. And you never know, I might find a guest in Costa Rica to put up an additional episode while I'm there. But I'm excited. I've gotten immunized and am really super excited about traveling to see my little girl and my son and do some birding in Costa Rica and get out of this cold, brainy place. So I'm excited about that. And thank you all for listening. Until next time, good birding. Good day. Good day.